Incoming chat. Hello, everyone, and welcome one more time. This is actually season three of Incoming Chat, the H2H communication podcast by Live Chat. Um, we had a great season two. We talk about with a lot of people. Uh, we put together a bunch of different live videos for you. Um, we're going back to a little bit of mixing our previous format with the live format. And this is what we're doing today. And today we have a special guest, Mr. Burch Tanier from Pricing. Burch, a pleasure having you in the show. Yeah, pleasure being here. Thanks a lot. Uh, Burch is um, the CEO of Pricing, and he's going to talk about a little bit more about what the company is doing. So I'm going to leave him to talk about that. Uh, but we're going to try to dig in this uh, in this episode on pricing strategies. Why is it important? It's, it's, if you have a SaaS or an e-commerce uh, shop, why you have to pay attention to what are you charging and what is your competition charging too. So Burch, tell us a little bit, what's uh, what's pricing? What, you, what are you guys doing? Yeah, sure. In, in essence, we provide competitor price tracking plus dynamic pricing solution to e-commerce companies of all sizes, I would say, from all around the world. So as of today, we work with hundreds of e-commerce companies from, I think, more than 60 countries. Obviously, like dominantly, we work with, you know, US-based, UK-based, European uh, retailers, but we also have, I don't know, customers from Mauritius, I don't know, Nigeria. So it's a really global thing, I would say. So like basically... We help, you know, those companies that already does this, uh, let's say, uh, manually uh, to automate the whole process. Because, you know, you always have maybe like if you go back to 10 years ago, like five years ago, you know, those e-commerce companies had, you know, junior employees or maybe interns in their team. And yeah, I, mean, I mean, the worst case is like their senior employees were basically sitting in front of the computer and checking out, browsing out the, 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 the websites of their competitors for the exact same products that they are selling on their website to identify their price points. So yep. they had kind of this, let's say, and this is this is basically the real story. And this is the this is the reason why did I dive into this business because I had many friends, you know, who, who had this as their daily task. So they were sitting in front of this computer where they had, I don't know, you know, multiple tabs open uh, and they, they were all competitive websites. So they were simply going to those websites, copying and pasting price points of multiple products, preparing an Excel file where they have all these, you know, product names, price points, etc. And this obviously took tons of time to populate. And after populating that, they were basically crunching this price data to come up with new prices on their web shop. So this was like, let's say, a, a task that took maybe a week, 400 products, 10 competitors. So essentially, As pricing... <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's a lot. And that's really not that uh, effective, I would say. I mean, 100 products is nothing if you retail, I don't know, thousands of products. So essentially, we do this uh, whole process in an automated way. So companies simply only import their products. We find their competitors. We automatically track their competitor prices four times a day. And according to like dynamic pricing rules that they can set from the dashboard, we even automatically change their prices uh, according to the rules that they set. So, you know, that manual work is currently mitigated thanks to this. All right. So it's, not, it's a constant process. It's not that you just give yeah, them like, yeah. yeah, yeah, this is how much they charge. And mm -hmm. you're actually analyzing the, the differences. Correct. All the Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Four times a day to be specific. Cool. Like how long have you guys been doing this? Uh, we started up this back in 2013. I would say... Like, uh, like in the case of many SaaS businesses, like software as a service businesses, it took us a bit to really figure out, to, to really find the product market fit. And 
In our case, we guys are based in Istanbul, Turkey, where the software as a service market is quite really, really in early stage. So we really found it hard to scale the business uh, in our country. So it took us about two years to really come up with a product that works. So I, I would say we mimicked those folks for about two years by manually doing the same task on behalf <laughs> of our customers before really building a product. And after two years, we learned quite a bit about the process, you know, all its, you know, dirty stuff and stuff. So we, we, we basically launched the biz, real business back in 2015. And since then, I would say we have been growing with, uh, with you know, typical digital marketing initiatives uh, in, in the global market. All right. All right. Well, I, mean, I have to ask you this because um, it's, it's fresh in our memory and still going, to be honest. I mean, the, having the whole COVID it killed yeah. tons of startups. Uh, I mean, I have friends that they had to stop. They, they did remortgage their house just to get money for the startup and then the startup's gone. So now they're... Tons of startups are in big debt. How did you guys cope uh, with the whole with the whole process? Like, how how was it yeah. for you guys? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it has multiple dimensions. Uh, so first of all, you know, people think that we are, you know, we are we are at the backbone of e-commerce. So our customers are e-commerce companies. So all those companies flourished. So people might expect that we had, you know, increased demand in our business. But I think in March, April, where the COVID really hit the global market, like after China, obviously, like China was hit maybe like in December, January, but the rest of the world, our markets, let's say, were hit, especially during March and April. So around at that time, regardless of the industry of companies and actually of, of, of people, people were basically in, in a commercial shock. So they didn't really think about, you know, investing further in their business, even though that solution might have provide return on investment. So... As we majorly work with small and medium-sized businesses who were facing a lot of lockdowns and stuff, we received a lot of requests from our clients saying that, sorry, guys, we need to pause our subscription. We need to cancel this and that. But, you know, we we, we, we probably foresaw that, we you know, this was something like, uh, how to say, a, a temporary issue. So we, we talked to those people and said, I mean, we basically communicated with every single one of them by arranging Zoom calls. And this is, I mean, hundreds of customers, by the way, not 10, yeah, yeah. 20, something. <laughs> so like everybody we, on the phone now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we spent quite a bit of time on, on the phone and on, on Zoom and stuff. And we told them that, okay, we don't really need to get any revenue from you in March and April, but don't cancel your subscription, but instead pay us only one USD per month. Keep your pricing account live. Use that data because that will be beneficial for you, even though, you know, you, you might lose some sales. You can at least make some profit by optimizing your prices, this and that. And things turn out, uh, you know, in, a, in our favor, I would say. So though the majority of those companies uh, switch back to full price in May uh, instead of canceling their contract for, 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 for the good. So we kept the majority of them. And in addition to that, you know, after seeing this demand to our one USD per month campaign, we actually did a bit of marketing to our existing database, which includes companies that are not using pricing. So yeah. we, we kind of sent this message to them saying that, hey, guys, you might be going through turbulent times. But you know what? We, we see that e-commerce companies who are using our solution nowadays are benefiting from that. So you guys are welcome to use our solution for one USD per month for, I don't know, two months, three months. Just have another extended free trial. So we even had new sales from that batch. So I think we just turned things into our into our advantage. And after that, uh, I think I mean like like I said in the beginning, even though we are an e-commerce tool, so we should have expected an increase in demand. Things didn't turn out in that way in the early days. 
But I think after, after I don't know, six months period or nine months period, so if we date things to now, yeah. we started to see increased demand because I think the primary demand increase happened in the, in the let's say, very primary levels of e-commerce. For example, payment gateways probably have seen, you know, surge demand, platforms like Shopify, blah, 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 are at the, you know, direct, let's say, funnel of the increased sales of e-commerce. But tools like us basically remain at it's the sort secondary... Of yeah, yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. down afterwards, eh? So now I think, uh, like after this growth in e-commerce, companies started restarted basically investing in new technologies because this market grew. They also saw that this will continue to grow. So now I think we are starting to get some increased demand uh, post-COVID. This is this and is the you know, summary that I can draw. I was I was going to, uh, through your background before. Like I know you were a marketer before too. So that that yeah. is brilliant. What you what you're doing if. I mean, yeah, you, you have to sort of save your own company by offering a dollar subscri subscription, but then you started using it as a marketing tool. Yeah. And, and it's working yeah. great. Yeah, I mean, I, I have the, I don't know, good or bad, I don't know, uh, reflex on things where I, I try to turn everything into a marketing tactic. <laughs> this turns out this turns out negative in some situations, but, and our team kind of, uh, pulses me there, but in, in, in majority of the cases, it works out well if you have the good intentions. So here, we were not really fooling people at all. So we were literally saying that, okay, guys, you can come back, use the solution for one USD for two yeah, months, you, three you months. you wanted to keep them, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and if you don't want to keep that further, you can simply cancel it out. So we will basically make losses for the two, three months period because you won't have, you know, lifetime values at our end, blah, blah, blah. But as it was also beneficial for them, so as it was a win-win, it worked out well for us. That's that's brilliant. I insist. Um, so when you 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 came out with pricing uh, a bunch of years yeah. ago, it took obviously a bit for it to pick up. Now, why did you why did you found this specific thing? I mean, how 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 do you do you turn this simple problem, which is people tracking their pricing, in something important for them? Like, what what was your messaging, or how did you figure out ways to communicate? Look. I understand. This is a, it's a, it's a problem to having to go through hundreds of pages of pricing for you to figure yeah. out um, your own pricing or, or improve your pricing. Like, mm -hmm. how was that process of, of finding or turning this problem into a into a startup? Yeah, I would say it was a, it was a pretty analytical uh, method. But I mean, before before actually just going back to that date, I think we should go back a bit earlier because I started up another business prior to pricing, which mm -hmm. was which was eventually failed, and I think. I, I learned quite a bit things uh, from that failure because, you know, that uh, that startup idea came to my mind when I was uh, basically, I don't know, backpacking uh, across Southeast Asia, around Southeast Asia. So I was in an island in Thailand after graduation from university. So I was basically chilling on the beach, this and that, chatting with friends that I met down there. So I came up with this mobile app idea, which was, I would say, mostly like Tinder, before Tinder. I'm not claiming yeah, that yeah. I'm very proud of Tinder at all because I didn't have any 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 execution vision, etc. So those guys managed that. I only had the idea of kind of meeting uh, like people nearby and stuff. So I sent an email to a friend of mine when I had a really, really small amount of internet on that island about this idea. So I finished my vacation, which means basically I finished all the money that I saved after graduation. So after three months, <laughs> So in Southeast Asia. So I went back to Istanbul. I met that folk. So he said that, you know, you, the idea you sent me sounded really interesting. So why don't we build a prototype around that? And to, 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 to give you some context, by the way, 
I studied industrial engineering, but the last two years of mine were actually not really spent on attending any classes or something. I already decided to become a neuroscientist. I, I, oh, I know wow. that I might be going quite off the track, but <laughs> make sure that it will, it will all merge down there. So I was totally out of this context. So I had no intentions of starting a business, even being part of a business. I decided to become a scientist, this and that. But that guy convinced me to join him with this uh, ideation kind of process. And we spent one evening in his office where we had this absolute stereotypical, you know, founder story, like, I don't know, the, 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 the social network movie. So we had all these post-its and stuff. So I really loved that process, even though it meant nothing commercially. So we started that business. It was called Popcorner. But anyways, uh -huh. I will wrap it up. So that idea actually came from uh, no problem. So it just came to my mind in an island. It didn't have any target market. It didn't have any, I don't know, let's say proper business plan, this and that. And we still executed that for about one year. We built a prototype, but eventually it failed. So that failure taught me that a startup idea or any idea should originate from a problem before, uh, actually before the idea itself. So that time I stayed, uh, I said to myself, okay, now I should be more analytical this time because I still wanted to start another business after the failure. So I took around, uh, like I looked around and noticed that e-commerce was the market to go after back then. But I obviously didn't want to start another e-commerce shop myself, but instead I wanted to, you know, provide some services to e-commerce markets. So this was the primary decision. And then I dived deep into e-commerce and met a lot of friends who were working in e-commerce companies. And I noticed that this competitive price tracking stuff was done manually by many of my friends, uh, regardless of the industry of the company. So I followed the process they were following. So it was totally like, I don't know, uh, like terribly executed and stuff. So I came up with this idea of automating that terrible process. So that's basically the 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 the, the beginning of the story, I would say. All right, and then it's obviously been working great. Like I mean, you're telling us that that, that things are doing fine. Mm -hmm. Now, um, what do you think is the competitive advantage for companies to to have a, a pricing strategy? Why, why do you think mm -hmm. it's important for them to look at this? Because I mean, a, a mm -hmm. lot of companies just open up and like, I will charge hundred dollars for. Why not 99? Why not 99.99? Or like, what, what's what it really helps companies to pay attention to other companies' pricing? Yeah, I mean, good question, but uh, I think I, I have an easy answer to that. So, first of all, like if you are selling a product that can be found elsewhere, you know, the shoppers can find that alternative easier than you can. So, they can simply go to Google Shopping or even they can simply go to Google, right, for that product name, brand, whatever. So they can end up with multiple results alongside yours. And the 60% the, 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 the of the customers are basically picking the one with the cheapest price. So this is a, actually kind of a, not a theory, this is a fact. So if you don't really monitor those competitive prices, you will make sure that you will be always, you know, losing that potential click to come to your website from those comparison engines from Google. But, you know, this is basically the point where you will lose the opportunity of being competitive. So you might be, I don't know, higher than the average or higher than the cheaper price. But the other reason why we recommend companies to use our solution is that they might also be too cheaper than their competitors in some cases. And this is actually just leaving tons of money on the table because let's say you have a nice su supply relationship with particular brand A. So those guys are providing you a particular product group at a really, really, let's say, competitive 
purchase price. So you buy that actually product at a really, really like comparatively lower rate. So if you add, uh, let's say, uh, I don't know, cost-based markup on that, let's say 10%, you might actually end up at a really, really cheaper rate than the cheapest of your competitors. So in that case, okay, you will make a lot of revenue, you will make sales. But if you have increased your prices, maybe like for 10%, I don't know, for $10, you would still make the uh, same amount of sales. So that additional $10, that 10% would always uh, add on to your top line and bottom line. So this is the actually main use case, the main benefit that we are providing to our customers. So just knowing where they where they stand in the market. If they are standing at the, at the higher end, we recommend them to apply smart discounts. And in the opposite case, if they remain at the bottom end, we recommend them to increase their prices in a in a in a smart smart incremental way. All right. So because um I I've been working with a lot of startups and and usually they they obviously want to make money, right? I mean that's the whole idea yeah. of, of of coming out with a cool idea. But um the pricing is always a bit because um yeah if everybody's charging a hundred but they think but my solution is so much better or my product is so much better like if, if it's a physical product so I'm gonna go with ten times the price. Because mm -hmm. the, the, I mean, at least in my opinion, there's sort of a, a range that if you go beyond the range, you come uh, this luxury thing that yeah. your obviously your your amount of customers is going to be reduced. But if you mm -hmm. hit the right messaging, you're going to make a lot of money. The yeah. same the other way around. If you're too cheap, you will come across as uh, it can't be that good because it's so yeah. it's too cheap. So how mm -hmm. how do you think uh, picking the right price? affects the future of, of either the shop or, or the company? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the majority of the cases that we address, by the way, is the case where you have competitors who are selling this exact same service or product. So, you know, you don't really, in e-commerce, for example, obviously you can differentiate by service, by returns and stuff. But if you are selling, for example, and I, I don't know, an Apple MacBook, you can find the exact same MacBook on other web shops as well. So the, the product is at the end of the day same if it's going to be shipped properly to your address. But in software cases, for example, or in, in more and more specific like service businesses, obviously two services, two softwares can never be the same. So the differentiation can come from the, pro from the product itself. And in that case, we always recommend, I mean, we don't really work much of uh, much of such businesses, but we, we always recommend value-based pricing rather than competitor-based pricing. Because, you know, as soon as you start benchmarking your price against your competitors, you start for, start to fall into the trap of, I don't know, being a, being a follower rather than innovator. So you try to match your prices against your competitors. You even try to copy their feature list, this and that. But I think in, in, in service businesses, in software businesses, the competitor prices should only provide you a guideline, not a benchmark. So, for example, obviously, if you are targeting the same same segment of the market, you don't need to be five times, ten times higher than your competitor, but you can be a little higher or a little lower than the competitor. Not necessarily the same price, but I mean, the, the, like I said, the whole example, the whole examples that I provided earlier was for the retail case. Mm -hmm. where the companies are selling the identical products that can be found elsewhere. But in, in, in software, in services, it's mainly a value-based approach that we are also following, I mean, at RN. So we are slightly higher than our competitors because we provide something that our competitors don't provide, for example, like 724 live chat support, live chat support. So that, 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 that really works well in that regard. So companies are also valuing that as an extra. So that, that's how it works. And, and I mean, I was going through some of your customers. Is it because this is not just for 
for someone doing dropshipping from China. Uh, it, it's you have big names under under your belt. I mean, yeah. you've been working with iFixit, which is one of my favorite shops. Um, yeah, Suzuki, yeah. Jesus, I mean, Prime Rose. So you do have a an important, mm -hmm. not only a number of customers, but an important mm -hmm. range of customers. So yeah, yeah. it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Uh, and, and it's probably like if, if you're at home and you go to their page, you can see that it's not really something that small shops do. It's basically every company, doesn't matter the size, has to be keeping, yeah. an, uh, keeping an eye on what's the competition doing. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think is the best way for companies? Because I, I, and I don't mean this in a bad way. I mean, I, you, you have a classic uh, pricing page in your site. How do you recommend people to come across with their pricing strat, uh, uh, actually, yeah, pricing ranges or, or strategy? No, 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 like, what, no. what's the best way for them to explain what are the benefits of, or the reasons why they charge this much? Like, how, how do you yeah. even do it in your own company? Well, I think it's 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 pretty tricky if you are targeting both sides of the market. By I mean by that I mean if you are targeting both small and medium-sized businesses and at, at the same time enterprises, I think that's the trickiest case for 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 SaaS pricing, software pricing. And we primarily made the decision of targeting small and medium-sized businesses. So that's why we have really clearly communicated pricing page on our website. So the majority of our customers are sorry competitors are. For example, not displaying their price on their website, so you request a quote and this and that. And this might also work for, for multiple cases, but we really want to become the vendor of this market, which has, I don't know, thousands of customers because we, we built such a product uh, that can scale to that level. Because, I mean, I don't really want to go into technical details, but the area of business, I mean, the business that we are dealing with is really hard to scale, and we cracked that. Mm -hmm. So that's why we are probably the single vendor in this market who can provide the service to small and medium-sized businesses. So because of that technological advantage, we primarily target small and medium-sized businesses who can visit our website, see that our pricing starts from only $59, so they can associate it, associate themselves with our pricing. So they can see that, ah, oh, this is actually something that I, that I even can use because I'm a small business. So... The, the only downside of this is actually pricing ourselves too low when it comes to, for example, iFixit or, I don't know, some enterprise clients who can maybe pay 10 times the same, same money. And in that case, we are now investigating ways of, let's say, trying to go up market to see what those companies would pay as an extra. So we are not really after any intentions like charging them more for the same service, but instead we are now listening, listening to their pricing strategies to see what they would pay as an extra, for example. So we want to also go after a value-based pricing approach. So to see what they really value in our services mm -hmm. and what they miss in our services. So we will potentially add an enterprise plan, which will be also catering to them. But we will we will we will hopefully remain in this small and medium-sized level where we will be clearly communicating about our, our, our pricing strategies. I think it really depends on uh like 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 the like the marketing approach that you are following so we really want to be a self service scalable software as a service product which can be used automatically like self service so we don't really want the users to feel the friction of you know requesting a demo you know sending a, sending an invite to receive a price or this and that but we just want things to go seamlessly if the business strategy is another one uh, another pricing communication can be also followed I mean, it depends on the on the business. And um, you guys are based uh, in Turkey, but most of your customers are, are very international. Um, yeah. 
how was how was your approach to this? I mean, you you had the idea, you build up something that, like you said in the beginning, it was basically you just checking the prices, and yeah, and yeah, it turned yeah. out into a, a super uh, helpful thing to do. Now, how how was your experience as an entrepreneur to mm -hmm. sell your idea to the world? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it started with uh, with with with, uh, with understanding that this is actually a global thing. So, I mean, we we basically. You know, first of all, like observe the problem in our local market, but we, we we directly noticed that this is actually a global thing. So this is not a local market issue. But you know, even the comp companies in the US, in the UK, in Europe are also doing this manually in a in a terrible way. So as soon as we noticed that, I mean, obviously we started the whole marketing communication in English. So this is this is not a this is not a really novel thing for a US-based startup, but this is actually something actually. This is at least a decision for a company outside US, let's say. So we made that decision and we, we started uh, in English in day one. So we, we started to receive obviously demand organically. So we, we, we invested a lot of time in our organic traffic. So we started to receive a lot of inquiries in that channel. And as soon as we started to do that, we noticed this time zone problem because we had a lot of you know US-based leads which requested I don't know calls at midnight uh, our time. Yep, yep. So we decided we started to you know uh, forget about sleeping at all and this and that. And after that, we started to also receive a lot of demand from Asia Pacific region, Australia, and it basically you know the, the puzzle got completely twenty-four-seven. <laughs> yeah, totally. And at that point, we decided to build a team that's distributed across time zones. So we, for example, now currently have. Three teams distributed across Asia Pacific, you know, Europe, Middle East, and Africa, and Americas, South and North, uh, for both the live chat end and inside sales end. So, if a customer, for example, if a lead, for example, now visits our solution, if they want to get informed, they now get a counterpart in their own time zone. If they become a customer, we also provide the 724 live chat support again in their time zone. So, this was actually the main paradigm shift that we needed to invest in which paid off uh, immensely. Like I said, I mean, somehow, for some reason, our competitors are not doing that. So this is actually not a, I don't know, technological advantage, but this pays off, you know, a lot for us. So we receive a lot of, let's say, testimonials, I don't know, praises just because of that. I mean, in our live chat box. So they say, yeah. like, thank you guys, you are really helpful. You respond in seconds and stuff. But we feel like this must be the way to do, but somehow... It is, right? You know, it is. That's the thing. Many, many companies forget that... Um, After yeah. all, you're there to serve. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's a company. If you want to make money, yeah. you have to be there 24-7, basically. Yeah, yeah. I and think it's maybe like we, we also discuss this internally. So this this might be also something cultural. Uh, I, I Basically, I'm not a super, I don't know, uh, like local guy and stuff, but at least I have some certain, let's say, attitudes and stuff from my region. So we guys, like Turkish guys, are really, really, like, I don't know, welcoming. We really value hospitality. I mean, for example... Even if I don't know you and if I see you on the street and if you say that I need to place to crash, I need to place a stay, I probably I will host you at my place. I just give you my couch. <laughs> so I think we, we, we kind of treat people in the very same day. I mean, if they visit our website, we feel like they are visiting our shop in Grand Bazaar. So we say, oh, welcome, come in, let's shop. Oh, no, I, I, I've, been in, I've been in Turkey many times yeah, and yeah, I remember that. that. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we kind of basically like follow the really same attitude in, in our business. Yeah, but that's that's great. I mean, having ha having this concept of hospitality on a digital business is is a great idea. Yeah. Now, um, what yeah. else do you guys do besides like obviously having a website? Like, how do you sell your product, or how do you reach out? Do you guys use um, just social media, mm -hmm. or, or what what 
what are the ways that you're trying to approach uh, new customers? So I think like before last year, we, we primarily grew via uh, like digital marketing and inbound marketing without much of a paid budget. So like I said, we, 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 we had a lot of like organic leads and we added like slowly added some adverts driven leads on top of that. We started to invest into Google adverts, you know, some other paid channels. But like uh, with, with the start of last year, like 2020, we received a small seed round of investment uh, with the motivation of investing in an outbound sales team who could have prospected into like our target markets via mainly LinkedIn to let people know that we exist, I would say. So just, just to ring the doors of the e-commerce companies who are potentially doing this manually to let them know that they can automate that. So we started to get a lot of leads from that metal since, since I would say like mid last year. And obviously with the new investment, we started to double down on new paid channels like, I don't know, LinkedIn and stuff. So at the moment, I would say like the majority of our leads are still coming in from organic channels like Google searches, I don't know, referral links from, from different parts of the web. But additionally, we started to receive a lot of leads from paid channels and this outbound sales initiative. Uh, that, that's basically how we have been growing so far. No, that's cool. And do you, do you guys have um, any any plans for new funding, or or, or you like how are you planning to expand what the company? Yeah, I mean we we are still actually spending the same fund that we raised because last year we didn't really invest that aggressively to with with the intention of a bit of cash prevention, uh, sorry, preservation. To be honest, so we we kind of see this year as 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 a deja vu of last year. So we raised the fund like last January. And we act as if we just raised it again this year, this January, and we started to actually plan things again. We started to scale up our ad channels and stuff. So hopefully, like this year will be the year of like exponential growth for our business and potentially in the coming years. Obviously, if the business demands further cash to be injected in, we will be looking out for ways uh, to do so. That's cool, man. That's cool. I'm I'm glad that those things are happening. Now, um. For for the new for the new uh, startups growing up there, we talk about a little bit about um, why pricing is important or, and how to keep an eye on it. Obviously, it's like throughout the the stuff that you guys are offering. Mm -hmm. um, but if you have to teach uh, someone with an idea, someone has a good idea, and if you have to teach them how to price, how to keep an eye on it, and 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 how to promote their own mm -hmm. pricing, what would be your your sort of steps by steps uh, that you mm -hmm. need to do? Yeah, I, I think, it, you know, if, if it's really in the beginning, I, I would not really care about price, uh, to be frank. So I, I really believe that if you if you really have zero customers, the first revenue, I mean, if it's not really a huge enterprise business, right? So if it's not a million dollar business, like with every single sale, you make billion dollar revenue. If it's a kind of self-service SaaS business, I think the primary, let's say, traction you need is actually usage. So you really need people, loyal people to use your solution to prove you that they make return on investment from any investment that they may, they would make. I mean, even if it's free, they would be investing their time. They And if, if it's worth their time to be invested in your solution, it means that it might at least provide some benefit to the client. And after that, obviously, uh, the, 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 I mean, the most basic approach that can be followed, I think this is what we at least did in the beginning, is to at least calculate the cost of sales in the business, not maybe in day one, but you can project that, for example, in, in 12 months time. So you can see, okay, I will have one support person per 10 customers and I will use this much of a server cost. And basically this is my cost of sales, let's say $10. And obviously in a, in a proper software as a service business, you at least need, I think like 80% gross margin or whatsoever. 
So you can maybe multiply that by five. I mean, I'm not even talking about customer acquisition cost at all, but at least for, for running the business, running the service, running the technology, you might use this one to five ratio, which we basically followed in the beginning. And then you will need to add, uh, you know, for this remaining 80%, then you, you need to add uh, the customer acquisition costs, which should be also in the range of, I think, if you are really aggressively growing in the very beginning, I think a ratio of even one to two uh, in terms of like customer acquisition cost to lifetime value is okay. But one to three is the best, like almost the best. So according to that, you can see how much profit that you make at the end of the day in the very beginning. But like I said, I'm, I'm you know, this might be a contrary thing to say, but I believe that the first traction that a startup needs in day one is not the revenue. So it doesn't really depend on price, but you really need loyal people who will at least invest their time, which is the most valuable, I think, asset of today uh, into your solution. And then I think the best way to determine the price might be also talking to those folks to see, you know, why they decided to use the solution, what they were doing otherwise. So you can actually see the alternative cost, so the opportunity cost of not using your solution. So let's say maybe the guy will say that, I mean, without your software, I was spending five hours a week into this process. So you can at least tell him that, okay, I mean, your five hours uh, a day is like $500 per week. So you, you can pay me, I don't know, $200 per week, which is a huge saving. So this is actually, I think, the good, good framework for the first few months. And after cracking that with the basis of you know cost of sales and value-based pricing, you have a you have a pricing in that. And next to that, obviously, you need to have your competitors' prices. Again, not as a benchmark, but to give you a guideline. Uh, and I think that's that's a good way to start at least. And then it's just a matter of optimizing, I guess. It's little by yeah, little. yeah, totally. That's, that's it. Yeah. So for you guys, what's the, what's the next uh, for pricing? What what, what are your uh, your next moves or your next plans? Uh, well, I think we, you know, pricing communication is, I think, a kind of a kind of a, let's say, balanced thing. So I think we are now remaining at the very simple end of things, which can get a little more com like sophisticated, I think, because you can either make your pricing too sophisticated or you can make it too simple. And I think ours is too simple, so it can be a little more sophisticated. Uh, but this, I mean, we, we don't really, we, we won't really do things just to make it sophisticated, but I think what I mean is that we have a bit of room to, you know, add certain parameters to make it a bit more sophisticated. And by saying that, we will probably add certain power-ups to our plans where you will have a base price for the, let's say, base version. And you will also have, you know, other than having different plans, like three plans altogether, we will have sub-plans in each plan as well. So you can pick, for example, the basic plan A, but you can add multiple features to that plan A as an increment. So let's oh, say right. the so little, little add-ons. Yeah, little add-ons because our technology really contains them. So we really have small uh, add-ons which cannot be really named as features, but small add-ons that can be charged as an increment. So we are now working on such a, such a pricing plan, like first of all, pricing strategy, then a plan, and then obviously a pricing page to be to be available on that, our website. That's good. I mean, because usually I, you, you just see the like the, the, the three blocks or the five blocks or whatever, and, and there's no flexibility in between. So that that's yeah, that's yeah, probably yeah. a good move. But, yeah. um I just want to thank you for being with us. Um, I yeah. think it's very it's very useful for for especially folks that that trying to figure out well how much do we charge and where do we start and how do we put it all together. I invite everybody that uh, is watching or listening the show uh, to go to pricing. 
pricing.com. Um, Sorry, I almost say a different one. The pricing.com. Go and check what they do. And of course, if you really learn something new today, just like, like, subscribe to our channel. And we'll see you next time. Burch, one more time. Thank you so much for this. Yeah, no worries. Thanks we'll a lot. We'll see you around. Bye bye. Yeah, see you around. Ciao. Incoming chat.